You are listening to the I Love You Too Much to Argue podcast with your host Holly and her trusty sidekick Beck. Welcome to I Love You Too Much to Argue the podcast. How are you? Hey, great thanks. How about you? Good, thank you. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Um, I think after we recorded our last episode that got lost into space, we decided we'll record a second one and you choose a different topic under all of our topics that we are going to do in this podcast. So love languages. What's your love language, Beck? My love language is acts of service. What's yours, Holly? So mine is gifts and physical touch. I think, I'm, again, I'm going to assume that people listening to this or our three listeners are going to um, know what the love languages are. But um, for the fourth listener who doesn't, um, so they're basically love languages is, um, I don't know if invented is the right word or discovered or I don't know, articulated by I think a guy called Gary Chapman. Is that, am I remembering right? I didn't even know. Anyway, he's got a number of books about love languages, like love, love languages, like with your spouse or with kids and all that stuff. Anyway. So basically there are five and they exist to help you know how, how other people perceive love or receive love and how you also give it. So there are five. They're acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, and quality, quality time. time. Oh, whenever I list them off, there's always one that I miss, but it's a different one each time. <laughs> so... Um, we'll talk about them all briefly and go into depth and probably do episodes just on, you know, each individual one as we go along. But Beck, can you tell me about acts of service and what it means for you to have a love language of um, acts of service? Um, yes, I think it took me a little while to discover acts of service was my love language. I thought it was time for a little while and I think time's definitely in there, mm-hmm. but um, it for me acts of service are when someone comes alongside me to support me so it's not always um my husband does a lot around the house he Mm -hmm. cooks our meals and often does the dishes and does the washing um and it's not that kind of thing that makes me feel loved it's more if i'm doing a task and someone says can i help you with that Mm -hmm. um so rather than doing it for me it's more about doing it with me that um help makes me feel loved yeah right so am i correct me if I'm wrong so from what I understand of people with acts of service as their love language if you have the responsibility of doing something that's always your responsibility and they come and help you with that then you feel loved is that right yes yeah I think it's like someone once described it as someone sharing the burden or taking a burden away for you from you um as the the way that the, the yes. type of things that you can do for someone. So in your yeah. like marriage or relationship, you know, when Joel does cooking, for example, or wash, washing dishes, because that's not really ever been something that you've carried the responsibility of him doing that, although it's amazing, doesn't yes. necessarily <laughs> fulfill that acts of service love part. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whereas for someone else who it is their, job all the time yeah. within yeah responsibility within the house then yeah someone jumping in when they normally wouldn't do that um i imagine would fill their tank up so what are the things that like what are practically speaking 
if you were to list things that Joel um, can or does love you in in the acts of service um, umbrella? Oh, good question. Um, I think it's, um, oh, I'm trying to think of a good example and I can't think of one right now. Um, you know how you take, you like, you're really, I mean, you're an accountant, you're really good with finance and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you were doing your finances or your taxes or whatever and Joel came alongside you and said, um, I'd really love to help you. What can I do to help? Would that be mm-hmm. something? Or? Yeah, it'd probably be more um, in that situation rather than helping because I'm a kind of the expert in the house when it comes to that. It's more mm-hmm. around tell me about this. Where are we, like, where are we at? What do I need to know? What, what can I do to participate in working towards whatever we're doing financially? That would sort of be, that would be amazing. Yes. That would feel be. great. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if I've gone to hang out a load of washing and mm-hmm. he comes and says, Oh, can I help you do that? Doing yep. it together, I think, rather than I think it plays a little bit into my Enneagram uh six yeah. that we were talking about last episode, in that I, I need to feel like a core motivation is to feel supported. So uh-huh. I think for me, the love language and the Enneagram actually tie in pretty close together. Yes, which is why we created this podcast, because they're all linked. <laughs> they're <laughs> all totally linked. <laughs> yeah so what about your friends though like how could like how can I as your friend love you with acts of service oh you've done that so good recently because we have to move house which yeah. sucks um but you keep sending me links to houses and oh. I just feel so supported in that because I don't the idea of moving house is very overwhelming and so looking all the time <laughs> is exhausting and so just having random messages that pop up that say what about this house check out that house yeah so just I guess knowing things that I'm going through and participating in that okay well that's good to know so besides moving house and sending you Mm -hmm. like moving house links what like what are some other things when you're just in everyday life that how friends can love you with your love language being acts of service sometimes these are such hard questions to answer is it like shouldering responsibility like you were saying about the house thing yeah like if we if you have you know a personal problem or a stress relating to the kids or whatever Mm -hmm. or extended family or anything like that if we talk about it yeah and i empathize or uh, or whatever is that yeah I know it's not directly an acts of service, but it kind of helps I think the stress. I think so, yes. And I think um, like even, suge- you know, having suggestions about what I could do or asking good questions to help me work out what I can do. I think it's just that shouldering the responsibility or the struggle mm-hmm. or the, the celebration even, like, mm-hmm. yeah, sharing in that. My love language is gifts. Yes, yes. Which many people think that a person that whose love language is gifts is about getting things, mm-hmm. or or is materialistic or likes stuff. Mm-hmm. And miss, it's also common to misunderstand that any gift is okay. <laughs> the, the problem is that not true, Holly. Well, the problem with a gifts person is if the gift is wrong, what it conveys is, oh wait, if the gift is right, I'll start there. 
when you mm. give a gift person a gift and it's the right gift, it's not about obviously how much you spend or any of those things, but it, what it's telling them is how much you know them or how well you know them. So when you buy a gift person something, let's say you went out and bought me a block of white chocolate. Mm-hmm. I don't eat white chocolate. I don't love it. Maybe. Um, it's not chocolate you say <laughs> that's right i wouldn't like i would be gracious and i would appreciate the sentiment but it would it wouldn't show me that you know me well however like recently you bought me a block of 90 percent dark chocolate and my favorite tea and to me that's like showing me oh my gosh she knows me so well she knows me so well that when she's not with me she's thinking about me understanding me and loving me by recognizing some of my you know um, tastes and likes so that's Mm. and so if someone close to you like a husband for example (laughs) buys you the white chocolate it says (laughs) to a gifts person um i don't know you or understand you or care enough to to know about what you like and dislike that's Mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's a bit of a catch 22 and I do feel for my husband who's he doesn't really understand gifts. <laughs> He's gotten a lot better over the years, but um so for a gifts person, for example, one of the things that actually my husband started doing recently is making me a coffee every morning and bringing it to me in bed after he goes to his nice. morning walk. And some people would say, no, that's not a gift. That's an act of, that's an act of service. Well, I completely disagree because gifts don't always have to cost money. They don't yeah. always have to be, you know, wrapped or whatever, or, you know, gifts can actually be something like a cup of coffee in the morning because he knows that I like coffee. He knows mm-hmm. that I always drink a coffee every day. So it's like he's anticipating my need by giving me mm. a gift of coffee, which is for a gifts person awesome so awesome and so so today he bought me a coffee in bed and he hadn't bought me one for a couple of days because um he'd been feeling unwell and so he wasn't getting up at the same time he was and i could hear him like outside the bedroom door and then he opened the bedroom door and he walks in and i'm like looking at him to see if he's got mugs in his hand and he did and i was like yes (laughs) i was was so happy best coffee ever yes it really was <laughs> mm. do you know what love languages your kids are um yes i actually have um so I have two kids and my youngest is her love language is acts of service a little bit different to mine because she'd much prefer us to do it for her so she didn't have to rather <laughs> than with her um yeah. and my eldest uh, is my son and I think he's his time yeah okay and probably a bit of touch actually yeah, yeah he likes it, a he likes a hug all the time it's funny I probably only in the last couple of years have realized that I'm a physical touch person mm-hmm. I always when we first got married my husband used to say he was a physical touch person but I think it's very common for people to confuse physical touch with like sex or like um, yeah the need for intimacy yeah, so, you know, we got married super young. And so obviously, you know, there's a lot of hormones there. And so <laughs> I remember my husband telling me that his love language was physical touch, but it's not. His love language is actually words of affirmation and he's discovered mm-hmm. that. But 
it took me a long time to realize that my love language, that one of my love languages was physical touch. And it was for the same reason that I didn't think it was. I thought it was associated with sex. Mm. It's actually, well, for me anyway, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of all physical touch people, but from what I've read and from what I understand, people that have a love language of physical touch, it's the non-sexual touch Mm. that is more the the satisfying part of that love because it doesn't, Mm -hmm. because it says, I don't want anything in return from you. Whereas mm. sex, as great as it can be, it's a separate thing. But it's mm-hmm. it's like it's like there's a, there's an exchange there. But when someone yeah. loves you with a hug or just holds your hand or you know pats your arm or whatever, it's it conveys I I love you and I love you so much that I'm willing to touch you. <laughs> mm. Is that are you finding it really hard during lockdown because you can't? Touch um, people? Yes and no. I mean we you know at the moment stage four restrictions as we're recording this in Melbourne, Victoria. So, you know, can't go out of our house unless we're doing our one hour of exercise or going to the grocery shop once per day. And obviously we can't hug or touch people or see family or friends, but I'm lucky that I've got a big family. (laughs) So my kids, you know, I I always, always tell my kids, I only had kids for the hugs. (laughs) So you have to hug me. (laughs) So I, I feel quite fulfilled in that sense but I do since since realizing this about myself I do notice that I often like you know aside from COVID-19 when I'm talking to people or interacting with friends I find myself naturally like going to touch them and then often thinking hang on a minute that's not something that everyone does which is fine but then I I often choose not to do it a lot because I'm like, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I've got one of my co-workers actually at work. She's also a physical touch person. And so we ha- have this joke in the office sometimes of when there's stress or whatever, we just need someone to like rub our back or have a hug or stroke our hair or something. <laughs> what about your kids? What love languages do you um, Tricky to know, I think. I mean, especially for my younger ones, because I'm a, I'm the, I'm a believer of actually everyone requires being loved by all of the languages, but we have ones that we feel it more strongly from or that we naturally act to love others in that. So I think for, I think for kids often it comes out that there's this quality time, but I think that that's also a very natural intrinsic part of our humanity is that children actually want to spend time with their parents and with their loved ones because mm-hmm. that's how they learn and grow and you know bond with you. So I think mm-hmm. that's really normal for that to be either their primary love language when they're young or quite high in their list of love languages. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm not an expert on this. I'm just, I mean, we're both just amateur hacks really having a conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I would say that your love language can change, especially when you enter adulthood. I don't think, I don't think if you're receiving your love language as a kid, I don't think is set in stone. That's my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like it can even change for us in seasons. True. Um, true. Like if you've got a season where, um, you know, you're not getting a lot of verbal affirmation from people, then you might um, find that, all of a sudden you feel such a, a need for that. Yeah. Um, yeah What's Joel? I don't think it's What's Joel's love? Words of affirmation. Words oh, of affirmation. Yeah. yeah. I discovered recently, I don't know if this, I don't know if we've had this conversation or if this is helpful for you, but I discovered that 
words of affirmation people they don't want to just hear nice things or well done or you did great at that they want to hear mm-hmm. why you Specifics. think that. Mm. and I realized this recently because I don't usually say much like I'm a, I always joke about how I'm a woman of few words and if I can say something shorter I will funny to say that now we're doing a podcast but <laughs> Um, you know, if my husband does something at his job or whatever, and I say, oh, you did that really well. Good job. That was awesome. That was amazing. Like, that's uh-huh. nice to say, but it's yeah. not the specifics. Like, he wants me to say, I liked it because you did it in this way, or I liked it because mm-hmm. it made me feel this, or when this part happened and then you responded like this to this person, I thought that was really amazing because it showed your strength in blah, blah, blah. So, Mm-hmm. I've only learned that recently about words of affirmation people. And I think yeah. my kids might be words of affirmation. So, uh-huh. you know, not to just say, yeah. oh, great job with the dishes made or whatever. It's actually more in depth than that. Yes. I think the other part of words of affirmation that I've recently become more aware of is it makes, for someone who has words of affirmation as their language, love language, it makes criticism even harder for them yes. to hear. So, and so you've got to be, really careful about the way that you bring feedback because the words that you use have so much more impact than they they would if you didn't have that as your love language and that's challenging for me oh I bet oh I bet and it's all interlinked too isn't it because my words of affirmation husband is a Enneagram three Mm -hmm. and um recently learned that Enneagram threes they're obviously high achievers and they are driven by success and they put their worth Mm -hmm. in success. And so they definitely feel that sting of criticism Mm -hmm. more as well. So it's helped me knowing all these things. So lucky that we're so true. Yeah. uh, We're going to learn so much. (laughs) Well, it's similar with my husband who's an Enneagram one who's motivated by being good Uh and above reproach, um, integrous. And so yeah, criticism is hugely, uh, it, it's almost hurtful and painful to have just even the slightest, you didn't do this so great. So I think mm-hmm. my journey at the moment is being able to communicate feedback in a way where he feels loved. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny because I'm definitely not words of affirmation. That would probably be my least mm-hmm. in terms of love languages. But when you look at the Enneagram for a two, they take criticism very harshly. Mm-hmm. And I, I always thought, oh, well, I'm not words of affirmation person, so things can't hurt me, but obviously mm-hmm. they do. And then when I learned more about the Enneagram and I read about how, because Enneagrams are feelers and they can hear your thoughts and feelings above your words, mm. you know, if someone's sharing something to you and trying to be constructively feed, feeding back something to you, you can actually hear the negative side of it louder because you can feel uh-huh. it and so that made me realize oh okay that's why I'm that's why mm-hmm. I'm thinking those things about what they said so I think it's I mean as we've already said it's all linked but it's so helpful to know so helpful it to know. really is I think I just love these tools because it it helps us know ourselves better and yes. know where we can grow and how we can grow and how we can be better friends or better spouses or better parents yeah um, yeah I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the um, Love Languages book. And anyone mm. that hasn't read it, go and read it. 
do the test too. Do the, yeah, do the test. Do the online test. And it's not just for people who are in relationships or have kids. It's also really helpful for single people and people just in life and in friendships to know because it can help you mm-hmm. grow so much as a person, even as a single person. If you know what your love language is and you know how you naturally love other people. I remember one friend telling me she is also an acts of service person. Um, she's a single girl and she... Um, had this best friend and she would always do stuff for her best friend and is giving out loving 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 and wondered why her best friend would never do the same in return and so Mm. felt this kind of disconnect in the friendship but then she learnt about her friend's love language which was words (laughs) of affirmation and realized oh that's why she always like writes me beautiful cards and for my birthday or you know tells me how great I am at something or whatever and so there was just this disconnect in their friendship they were both actually you know really loving towards one another but they just weren't receiving it in the the right way but once they started Mm -hmm. doing that (laughs) once they realized that then they could love each other in the way that so good so it's so so helpful so yeah go and read the book and I think that's about it thanks for chatting today Beck rate review subscribe (laughs) share tell Tell one friend each so our three listeners become six. <laughs> yep. Or maybe if we make our kids listen to it, then we'll have more listeners again. <laughs> so fun. Thank you for listening to the I Love You Too Much to Argue podcast. If you've got questions or comments about this episode or would like to contribute to future episodes, please click the link in the episode description to contact us.